0: Take your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 23, if you would please. Matthew chapter 23. take a look and read verses 1 through 24 this this evening. The Bible says, Then spake Jesus to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, and that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say, and do not, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move. Uh, they themselves will not move with them one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the border of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at the feast and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven, <clears throat> neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be a base, and he, shall humble him, and, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, Ye make him twofold more the children of hell than yourselves. Woe well unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple is nothing, <clears throat> but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, but whoso, shall, whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift, whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon, and whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. <clears throat> and he that sweareth by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, by him that sitteth thereon, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye, have done to, done, ye, these ought ye to have done, and to not leave the other undone, ye blind guides, which strain a gnat, and swallow a camel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to be here. And Lord, I do pray that you would take the moments that we have together and that you would use them. I ask that my heart and my mind would be pure and clean before you, that I'd be a holy vessel. Lord, I ask that we would not be distracted, but that you would use your word. I pray, Lord, that as your word goes forth, that it would touch our hearts and help us to see areas of our lives that need to be changed. We ask you for it. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <coughs> I've entitled the message, Playing Christianity. I watched this afternoon a little bit of, of football. They were playing a game. That's all that it is. It's just a bunch of guys that are well overpaid playing a game, really. Um, you know, I, I, yesterday I watched some college football, and, um, and again, there's some young men that are just playing a game. Uh, Might have watched the World Series. Men up there with a ball and a bat that little kids will go outside and play for nothing. These guys were just playing a game. There's nothing wrong with watching these professional athletes and even college athletes play a game, it's okay. It's just a game. It's not life or death. It's just a game. Whether you watch it or not, doesn't really matter. It's not going to affect your life that much. But it's really interesting when a star player does something wrong or violates some some league rule or whatever. It's all over the news and... So many people get disappointed. Oh, that was my favorite athlete, or whatever the case may be. But when you think about it, it's just a game. The sad reality is that there are a lot of Christians that are just playing the game. And just like many people, millions upon millions of people here very shortly will watch the Super Bowl uh, here shortly in a couple months. Aren't you glad we changed the times of the service to 5 p.m. for those who are sports fans? Just kidding. Man, you can lighten up a little bit. I mean, come on, you know, it's not, i was just kidding, you know, it's no big deal, all right? Um, There'll be millions of people that watch that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And they'll have their eyes glued to that, and even some young people will look, and they'll lift up some of those players. They'll look to them. As somewhat heroes, or whatever the case may be, they'll admire them. Man, one day I want to be like X, Y, and Z player. And when they fall, there's some hurt. I remember when uh, I, I always wanted to see Tiger Woods break all the records, you know, and I was pulling for him, and then he, had, he crashed and burned, though he seems to be turning his life around, and I hope that's the case. I really do. <clears throat> but really, when that happens, it didn't destroy my life. You know, it didn't, I just, man, that's really sad. I'm sorry for those kids. I'm sorry for that family, blah, blah, blah. But just like we watch those athletes, and we expect, there's been so many times that we expect people that are out in front of others to present themselves a certain way and to act a certain way. We've called them, your leaders, you can't, you shouldn't do this. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm not here to debate that. But the point is, when they fall, it really doesn't affect our lives too much. But the problem is, just like we watch sports or you watch whatever you want to watch and you hold somebody in high regard... Just like that happens, there are people in the church that are watching us. They're looking at us. You say, well, pastor, that's not right. They should be looking at Christ. Yeah, but Paul did say, follow me as I follow Christ. And we're supposed to be good examples. The Bible tells us that. And there are young people here and there are other young Christians here and there there are other people here that are watching us as we live out Christianity. And if we're just playing the game and then we fall, guess what? It can destroy someone's life. You say, well, pastor, it shouldn't be that way. You're right, it shouldn't be that way. But people are still watching us. It's one thing if a church member falls into sin, that affects some people in the church. It's another thing, maybe if a deacon falls into sin, that affects more people in the church. But maybe you've been a part of a church where the pastor has fallen into gross sin. That affects the whole church. See, when we just play Christianity, we have all these rules and regulations set up, and not the righteousness of God in our life, and we're not living the right way, and we're just playing the game of Christianity. It can affect others around you. See, religion is no substitute for righteousness. Righteousness. You saw this morning, we talked a little bit about the Pharisees, and I gave you really two outlines this morning. I said, I'm going to give you a teaching outline, then a practical outline, and the teaching outline was the Pharisees, verses 1 through 5, and then I said, but your practical outline is that their emphasis was misguided. They put all their emphasis on rules and regulations. And then we, we, talked, we talked a little bit about that through the Pharisees, and, and we went on to talk about the problem, the problems. That was the teaching outline, and then I gave to you, your ego is predominant. That was the practical outline. We talked about their pride, we talked about their position, and we talked about their problem. But this evening, I want us to take a look at verses 14 and 15, because we see their practice. See, you know you're playing Christianity when you are trying to bring people to your agenda instead of The Word of God. When you bring people to your agenda, what I find interesting is that if we're not careful, we become like the the church of Corinth when there's a group here and a group there and a group there and a group there. You know, the church should never be divided. It's not about my agenda, it's not about your agenda, it's about the Word of God, their practice. Take a look at verses 14 and 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayers, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the children of hell than yourselves. They were fake. Their practices that they were Fake. I'd like you to turn over to Matthew chapter six, if you would please. Letter A, if you're taking notes. They were fake. Take a look at Matthew chapter six and verse five. Matthew chapter six and verse five. They, these these people acted holy, but in all reality, they cared less for the helpless. Take a look at verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Now remember, what did Jesus just call the scribes and Pharisees? Hypocrites. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as, we could say, the scribes and Pharisees are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. See, these people, they acted holy. The Bible tells us here in our text that they prayed, they made long prayers. It stated that some of the most religious, the, the ones that were uh, most devoted, they would pray up to nine hours a day just so that they could be recognized as quote-unquote great men of God. But the problem was they were just trying to get people to their agenda instead of Instead of teaching them the word of God. They had no love for these people here. It says, for you devour widows' houses. You devour widows' houses. They would do things. They They would take the law and they would say, look, since you are a woman, you are to be subject unto us as the leaders, the rulers. And they would actually kick the widows out of their homes. Now, I don't see anything about that in Scripture. Matter of fact, the Word of God teaches us just the opposite. The Word of care, what? For the widows and the fatherless, the Bible says. They were fake. But not only were they fake, take a look at letter B here. They were fraudulent. In verse 15, they were fraudulent. They led others astray. They led others astray. They taught people things that would make them worse off than before. Before. They were trying to get people to follow their ways instead of having people follow the Word of God. I remember hearing one time uh, a preacher say, he would get up, he read a verse, and then he said, okay, now this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to close your Bibles, and I want you to listen to me. I've got a problem with that. I've got a major problem with that. I didn't come to listen to you. I came to hear what the Word of God has to say. If I mentioned his name, most of you in this room would know this individual. And I'm thinking to myself, now, wait a second. I'm not here to become a disciple of you, sir. I'm here to become a disciple of Christ. But this is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They were going around trying to make disciples of themselves. And many times when we are playing Christianity, we're trying to get people to our agenda. We're trying to get people to our side. We're trying to get people to see things the way that we see them. Look, it's not about the way I see things and it's about the way you see things. It's about what the Word of God has to say. Because look, we all come and we all see things from different paradigms. And we all come from different backgrounds. And so all of us come into the Christian life with baggage. All of us do. But the thing that keeps us together is not our backgrounds or our our ethnicities or our financial structures. Or even if we have, oh, well, I think the same way that person thinks. No, the thing that keeps us together is the Word of God. That's how we can see things the right way. So when the Bible says something, we can say, wait a second. I know I'm coming at it from this vantage point. You're coming at it from this this other vantage point. But look, this is what the Bible has to say. And if we're not careful what we want to do when we're playing Christianity, we want people to come to our agenda. I remember there was a lady here that was, was um, a dear Christian. And she was trained in a way that, that was, I'll put it to you this way, that had great reverence. Let me put it to That had great reverence for the Lord's Day. And this lady's no longer with us. She's moved back to her home country. And we were having a fellowship after a service. We were going to have some food and fellowship, and then we were going to have an afternoon service. She came up to me very quietly, and she said, Pastor, could I see you for a moment? I said, sure. And so she said in her broken English, very softly, she says, Pastor, I want you to know I will not be coming to the fellowship afterwards. I said, okay. So why is that? She said, I was taught that the Lord's Day is only for the Lord, and I am not to, you know, go and... Fellowship and corrals and no shopping, no restaurants, no. And I looked at this individual and I said, she goes, so I hope you're not mad at me. And I called her name out and I said, let me tell you something. I said, if that is the way that you feel, that's your own personal conviction. I said, I wouldn't do anything to try and sway you from that. I said, you hold to that. Say, so why are you telling us this? Because she didn't go around trying to make proselytes of her own personal conviction. That's a personal conviction. And what happened, what happens so many times is we try and make people proselytes of our own personal convictions. That's exactly what these these Pharisees were doing see let me put it to you this way unless it's taught in scripture then it should not become binding upon anyone to ensure that they're a good Christian see the standard by which which every Christian is to live is the word of God what does the Bible have to say take a look not only do we see that They try to bring people to their agenda, but what happens is number four, their perversion. Their perversion. You twist scripture to fit your agenda. You twist scripture, that's the practical side of it. The the teaching outline is their perversion. The practical side is you twist scripture to fit your agenda. I'm not going to read it for a lack of time, but we find this in verses 16 through 24. But the first thing that we find is the lie. The lie. In verses 16 through 22, what these men would do is they would twist Scripture in order to fit their situation. Folks, the people of God are to represent God. And God is a God of truth. The Bible says in in Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. These men were supposed to be representing God. Us as believers were to be representing God, and since God is a God of truth, then we should be a people of truth. Hebrews six eighteen says that by two immutable things, which it is impossible, it is impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong co- consolation, who have fledged for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. And since God cannot lie, we as His representatives should not lie. We shouldn't try and twist Scripture to fit our situation. Now, now you might think that I'm crazy. But I want to let you know something. You know when Adam and Eve started out, there was no LL bean to go get clothes from. There was no What is it? Talbots for the ladies and black market, white something. I, I don't know. But, you know, whatever. There was, there was no Macy's and there was no uh, Boscov's to go get clothes. Okay. They were in the proverbial El Natural. Right? We understand that in Scripture, right? We understand that. It's no, it's no surprise. Mark my words, there will be Christians, there will be Christians that will take that and say, it's okay for me to go to a beach that does not, I'm trying to be careful because we have kids, (laughs) you you, you know what I'm saying, all right, you you got the drift, there will be Christians, oh no, pastor, that won't happen. Just like beer in the Bible won't happen when we're taking, and it's already happening, and gospel and, the grog, and grog won't happen. It's already been happening. They will twist scripture. See, they'll say, well, look, this is the way God originally intended it. Yeah, He did in a perfect world, but man ruined it. You say, well, that's awfully extreme. You're right, it is. That is awfully extreme. But the point is that if we have Christians that will do that on such an extreme issue, we better be careful to make sure that we're not twisting Scripture to be able to fit our agenda. See, you can make, you can, you can make Scripture say whatever you want it to say if you take it out of context. You can make it say whatever you want it to say. You could say, Jesus said, hate your mom and dad. Did he say that? I guess you need to ask, what did did he mean in context by hate? If you just take it at face value, you pull it out of context, you can say, well, yeah, he said that, but he didn't say that. because then you've got a problem over in Ephesians where it says, honor thy mother and thy father. Huh. See, in these men, what they would do is they would, tri- they, would, they would twist Scripture. And when you do that, you're deceiving one. See, they justified lying without punishment. That's what it means to swear by the temple. When they were saying, if you swear by the temple... Or you swear by the gold of the temple. Or you swear by the altar. Or you swear by the sacrifice on the altar. That's what they're saying. They're saying if you just swear by the temple, then you can lie. You can lie to, uh, without being punished. But if you swear by the gold of the temple, then that's you, you're committed to it. Or if you swear by the altar, then... And you lie, and you need to get out of a situation, you can lie to get out of it, and there's no punishment. But if you swear by the sacrifice, then you're held to it. And Jesus says, "Wait a second. What purified that gold? Was it the temple? Or the gold that was in it? No, it was the temple." And Jesus says, "Wait a second. what purifies the sacrifice? Is it a sacrifice pure in of itself? No. What purifies? It was the altar. And so Jesus says, basically, he says, there is no area for us to be able to twist and to lie, to to justify our position in trying to get away with something. Take a look, if you would, in Matthew chapter 5. I want you to see this here because we see what Jesus has to say. He says it a whole lot better than I can. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 34 but I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven. So he says, don't, don't even, he's saying, don't say, oh, I, I swear I'll do this. Jesus says, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thine head, because thou canst make one hair white or black." But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. You know what Jesus says? He says, let your word be your word. Be a person of your word. And I would say to you in this context, not only be a person of your word, but be a person of the word. Don't try and twist scripture to fit your agenda. And we see this, letter B, verses 23 and 24, letter B, the reversal, the reversal. Won't you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith? These ought ye, have, ye, these ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone, ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. You want to know when you're playing Christianity? Here you go. I can sum up this last this last point like this. You make mountains out of molehills. You make mountains out of molehills. You take that which is least important, make it most important. That which is most important, make it least important. That's exactly what there are It was the reversal. It was the reversal. Why do you think that the, 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 the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes hated Jesus so much because they were turning they were he was turning their religion upside down he was teaching them the true way and when we play Christianity we make the minor things the majors and we take the majors and make it the minor it's easy for us to take a look at this portion of scripture and you have to say, man, look at those Pharisees. Look at the way that they acted. But I think if we're not careful, we can become just like them. We make the minor things the majors instead of making the major things the majors. We focus on those things that are minuscule instead of those things that should be enlarged, that should help us grow. See, I I, I don't... I can't speak for you, but as your pastor, I can say this. I want a church... I I want a church, and I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the family here, the people here, that, that doesn't play Christianity. I want a church that's authentic. And sometimes that means having hard conversations. Sometimes that means approaching a brother or sister in Christ in love. Sometimes that means sharing our burdens and our heartaches. But see, the Pharisees, they always wanted to look good on the inside and they didn't want to let anybody else Uh, They want to look good on the outside, not let anybody on the inside. And too many times, folks, we play Christianity because we always look good on the outside, but we never let anybody on the inside because we're afraid of what they're going to think of us. Isn't that sad in the church? It's really sad in the church that we're more concerned about what brothers and sisters in Christ think of us than what God thinks of us. Hmm. You know, I can't force authenticity and I can't force real Christianity. That's almost an oxymoron, isn't it, trying to, trying to, to force, we're going to force authenticity. We're really going to work at being authentic. You don't work at being authentic. You just, you are who you are, right? We're going to really work at being a a real Christian. No, as you grow in Christ, it it should should come through. And so I can't force anybody to do that. The only thing that I can do is just preach truth and then allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in the lives of His people. But I, I want to ask you, is, is your life more made up of, of being truly an authentic Christian? Or are you more concerned about what others think? Because if it's always about having everything right on the outside you're never going to get what you need for the inside. What I mean by that is nobody's going to be able to minister to you to be able to help you. See, it was the Pharisees' pride that kept them from a relationship with Christ. You know, as pastor, I've had many people come to me that are either new Christians or, or struggling Christians. Many people come to me and say, Pastor, every time I come to this church, everybody always has a smile on their face and they seem like their life is all together. <laughs> and I usually crack a half of a smile and I say, I know. I said, but let me tell you something. Everybody in our church Is broken. Everybody. We're all broken. I said, We're just glad to be able to see one another. We're glad to be able to worship together. But if you think that none of these people have any problems, they're just like everybody else. And the reason that they can have a smile on their face is because they know that even if their heart is breaking on the inside, they know that there's a God in heaven they know that there's a God in heaven that can be able to help them through. And the Pharisees, they would have rather done religion, Christianity, I use that very broadly, <laughs> their own way. And the majority of them, they died and went to hell. Because when you place, replace religion... When when you put uh, religion in place of righteousness, you're always going to feel empty. But when your goal is the relationship that you should have and fellowship that you should have with Christ, guess what? All those other things fall in place. Everything else falls in place. It's amazing how that works. As I mentioned this morning. God told us to love him with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, our whole person, basically. You know, God could have said anything he wanted. He did not say, keep all these regulations. But he did say, love me with your whole person. And as we love him with our whole person, we will walk in holiness. We will walk in purity. We will walk in righteousness. We've got it so backwards in the church. Are we just playing Christianity?